Hello, this is Donna Jackson Nakazawa, and today we'll be mapping microglia on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on how to use the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with my dear friend, Donna Jackson Nakazawa. Donna Jackson Nakazawa is the author of The Angel and the Assassin, The Tiny Brain Cell That Changed the Course of Medicine, as well as three previous books, all favorites of mine, exploring the intersection of neuroscience, immunology, and emotion. Those books include Childhood Disrupted, which was a finalist for the 2016 Books for a Better Life Award, The Last Best Cure, which is a Functional Nutrition Alliance staff favorite, and The Autoimmune Epidemic, the very first book that led me to Donna and her work. For her written contributions to the field of immunity, she was the recipient of the 2012 AESKU Award and the 2010 National Health Information Award, which recognizes the nation's best magazine articles in health. Donna has appeared on Today, NPR, NBC, and ABC News, and her work has appeared in The Washington Post, Health Affairs, Eon, More, Parenting, AARP Magazine, and Glamour, and has been highlighted on the cover of Parade, as well as in Time and USA Today. She blogs for Psychology Today and HuffPost, and Donna keynotes conferences and teaches workshops for practitioners, educators, and physicians at major universities, hospitals, nonprofits, schools, and advocacy groups nationwide. Today's episode is slightly longer than our usual podcast, but you're going to thank me for those extra few minutes. So let's dive in and start talking about the microglia. Donna, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'm always happy to spend time with you, and it's never enough. And today we're getting really micro. We're going to the microglial cells. So the microglia, they're glial cells in the central nervous system that we've known them to be sort of scavengers. But what you share in your new book, Donna, is that they are so much more. Can you tell us how you now define the microglia? So over the last seven years, we've had four major revelations about what these cells really are. And for the last century, scientists believed that they were just, as you said, scavengers. They were humble housekeepers. They catered to the needs of neurons, you know, the way an entourage caters to a movie star. They came in and, you know, picked up the detritus or dead neuron and carted it away. But in the last seven years, we've discovered that one, microglia, 
break off from immune cells in the developing fetus between mm. the seventh and ninth day of gestation. They are cousins to the white blood cells, only they rise all the way up into the brain and there they reside throughout a human being's lifetime. And that's kind of major because as you guys all know, we assumed until this past decade that the brain was the only organ in the human body that was not ruled mm -hmm. by the immune system. Discovery number two was that microglia are activated in the brain by all the things that activate the immune system in the body. So if our immune system is overwhelmed by all of those different factors in the environment or stressors or emotions or what we're eating, the gut microbiome, if the immune system gets overwhelmed and starts to go off kilter and it tricks the immune system to go into overdrive, sparking inflammation or even autoimmune disease, those same overwhelming factors environmentally spark microglia to go from doing their good jobs, which are to help and support neurons, to being what we call the assassins mm. of the brain. And here's what they do. Researchers at Harvard were able to see in 2012 that when overwhelmed, microglia morph into big, bushy, Pac-Man-like cells and they begin to eat away and over prune synapses that we need in the brain to help us think clearly, feel good, <sighs> take in joy and delight. And these are the same synaptic connections that go down and that we can see in brain scans are implicated when we have anxiety, depression, and Alzheimer's. It's pretty big news. Big news. I'm getting chills just hearing about you. It's fascinating to think about that origin story, that they are derived from the same cells as the white blood cells. Is there anything that we've found can implicate further inflammation in the brain that happens in those early days of gestation? Well, that is where some of the research is going now, but more of the research is being done looking at some of these anatomical connections. <sighs> and one that's super fascinating is that anatomically, we didn't really think there were any new discoveries to be made about the human body because, you know, people have been looking at it very closely for a long time. But in 2016, to add to all of this new understanding about the brain as an immune organ, researchers at UVA found that there are lymphatic vessels, mm. which are not supposed to go into the brain. Remember, we have that blood-brain barrier that's supposed to keep everything from the body's immune system from entering the brain like a funnel that immune molecules and cells can't pass through oh, well, we missed it. There are immune vessels that travel up through our circulatory system and through our lymphatic vessels right to the brain. So the research is kind of thinking when you ask about early gestation from day one to the end of our lives. So development, early development in gestation, what's affecting the fetus, what affects the 
brain affects the body and what affects the body affects the brain all the way to the last day of life when we see dementia and Alzheimer's. So microglia are the new darlings of the research world. So interesting. And it sounds like it's connected to everything and impacted by everything. You talked about how inflammation in the body can be triggering an overexcited response. Is that right? In the microglia in the nervous system? Yes, that's right. So think of the different ways that can happen. So if we have these immune vessels going right past the blood brain, like this open pipeline, that really just proves the mind-body connection. Right. That just erases that line between physical and mental. But something else does that as well. It turns out that the body's immune cells, white blood cells, macrophages, they're communicating all the time with microglia in the brain through, guess what? The vagal nerve. Right. And that's really interesting because the vagal nerve is our first mode of response to fight, flight, freeze. And that means that chronic stressors in the environment are having an effect on the vagal system in a way that's probably ramping up microglia. And that explains why when we see high levels of inflammation in patients as tested by pretty simple blood tests, when we have individuals who have high levels of inflammation through blood biomarkers, we also are more likely to see microglial activation in the brain. And we've known for a long time that patients with higher inflammatory levels in their body are more likely to have disorders of the brain from Mm -hmm. depression to anxiety to Alzheimer's. We just never knew why right? Yeah. We just never knew why. And we know, for instance, that people with chronic trauma and childhood adversity are more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety later in life. But and we didn't increased know autoimmunity, as you really That's have elucidated for us in one of your previous books. Many, so, many yeah. books. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so what we didn't understand, Andrea, is why? Like, we get it that if you're under a lot of chronic stress and eating poorly, um, and there are a lot of environmental toxins coming in, you know, all the things you talk about on your matrix. When that happens, immune cells go, womp, 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 you know, I'm going to go crazy here, go haywire and start to do some damage. And we can see inflammation and autoimmune disease. But what we didn't know, what we've missed for the past century as we've been talking about autoimmune disease is that all of those same factors that cause this inflammation in the body, cause an autoimmune disease in the body, are also causing these immune cells in the brain to take out important synaptic connections. So high inflammation in the body means a greater likelihood of neural pruning in the brain, and we call that in the brain neuroinflammation. Mm-hmm. So inflammation in the body, you guys all know, is red hot painful. Mm-hmm. And but in the brain, neuroinflammation is really referring to a loss in this important connectome, mm-hmm. both psychiatrically and neurologically, which can result in many different psychiatric disorders, 
cognitive disorders from dementia to Alzheimer's and also neurological autoimmune diseases. So it's a fascinating new world. Yeah, I have a million questions and I'm scribbling down notes. And I'm wondering if you can articulate what microglial activation looks like. Do we have that level of research available to us? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to a group of researchers at Harvard in 2012, they spent one year trying to see on a hunch Beth Stevens at Harvard, who went on to win a MacArthur and a Howard Hughes Investigatory Award, both of those awards for this research. On a hunch, she thought that microglia might be responsible for more than carting away dead neurons and might be, when activated, doing this pruning in the brain, not just during development, going back to one of your first questions, and during gestation, when it's important to prune away neurons because we have too many of them, right? Mm -hmm. So she thought, well, what if they're getting turned on again environmentally later in life, like adolescence or midlife or old age? they're facing these different stressors. And so they spent about a year trying to use new techniques, which allow us to look at these very fine grained aspects of what's happening in the brain. And they dyed microglia green and they dyed synapses in the brain red. Mm. And it took them one year to do this over and over again in different ways until they found a way to see that the synapses, these red glowing dots, were inside the belly of the microbiome. Wow. So yeah, we can see it. This is not hypothetical. So that makes it really interesting to think about how the synapses are being impacted and how many mental health issues in the past were related to chemical imbalances when in fact the synapse itself could be faulty due to this inflammation. I'm not sure I said that right, but that's sort of my takeaway here. But No, no, yeah, I think you're getting to a really important question and that is that, you know, for decades we've assumed that mental illness is really about chemical imbalances in the brain and that is still True, but it turns out that really what's behind that is how healthy are the immune cells of the brain? How healthy are their interactions with neurons? And what is the brain's immune health? Because microglia, all of these different chemicals that we talk about in the brain, their levels of them are all expressed through microglial cells basic immune health of an individual is compromised. Mm -hmm. That is going to compromise the way in which microglia express these chemicals and whether or not they are expressing them at healthy levels. So we have to reboot our thinking and understand that different chemical issues in the brain are really coming out of this basic immune function of the brain. Hmm. And that's just a really promising new window into understanding a whole array of intractable disorders of the mind. And the field, believe me, is moving really fast now toward different ways to reboot overactive microglia so that they behave more as nature intended and don't eat synapses and don't spit out neuroinflammation 
and express just the right amounts of all of the different neurochemicals and neurotransmitters that we need for a healthy life from cradle to grave. Yeah, and that really is promising for those of us who are focused on the whole body and all the systems that work together and work with diet and lifestyle, addressing toxins in the environment and in the body and stress and inflammation at its core. Donna, you're a brilliant science researcher and writer. You also have autoimmunity in your own body, and I'm wondering how this research has changed how you think about your own care? Great question. And certainly, you know, I started gathering files for this book as early as 2008, mm-hmm. when I was still recovering from my second bout of Guillain-Barre syndrome, and also for other autoimmune diseases that were all together making life, as you know, because we've talked about those days, very, very difficult. You know, I just couldn't get up two steps without having to sit down and take a pause. And during that same time, I was also dealing with as many patients, and especially those who have had Guillain-Barre more than once, Valparaisis, you know, I had a pacemaker, I had leukopenia, and some of those things are still true, right? Still have a pacemaker, still have leukopenia. But I was also really aware that I felt like I had a different brain. And, you know, raising young kids, I can remember looking down at a bowl of watermelon and cutting it for my kids and thinking, what is this? Like, what is it called? Tying my daughter's shoes and being like, okay, like bunny loops here, Donna. Remember your bunny loops. And I just couldn't conceive that the shifts that I was feeling in my mental state, I kind of likened my mind state at that time because I was also reading to my kids Harry Potter, you know, wow, I feel like the Dementors are here. This just doesn't feel like me. And so I asked my doctors, and they're like, of course you're depressed. Of course you're anxious. Of course you're forgetful. You've been paralyzed twice. You're learning how to walk again. It's really overwhelming. But it felt to me like a physical thing. And so I started keeping files and reading different things. And really around 2009 and 10, a bunch of studies came out and they started to say, well, what's going on here? You know, why is it that in patients with schizophrenia, we're also seeing these big immune alterations in the body and big study came out showing that when they did a bone marrow transplant in a patient with schizophrenia, the schizophrenia went away. Like that's not supposed to happen. Patients with lupus, you know, more than 50% report depression, anxiety, psychosis. What was that about? Similar findings with gum disease and Alzheimer's. So if the brain and the body aren't connected, which was categorically the belief of medicine and psychiatry until these studies started to come out in the last few years, then why were we seeing those epidemiological associations? You asked me, well, how does that affect my health? I've been working from the matrix perspective now for 15 years because having had that happen to me, losing my body, feeling like it wasn't my brain, 
I've done everything beyond paleo. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, walking five miles a day, no matter, you know, stretching out in my own Feldenkrais yoga, physical therapy, workout every day, going to work with practitioners from acupuncture to nutrition to physical therapy to Feldenkrais. I meditate, walk back and forth on my patio, you know, exactly. muttering little <laughs> prayers. So I've been doing that for a long time. And I think that that will be the work of my lifetime. Yes. And that's okay. So it's kind of me not thinking so much about my own health with this book, but wanting with every cell in my body and my brain, every microglia I have, to get this information out there to everyone because mm -hmm. I think it changes the dialogue. We can't pretend there's this line in the sand between mental and physical health. We know that's not true. And often it takes 20 years to get research like this from the lab bench into the clinic. I think it will change the way that people suffering from autoimmunity and mental health issues and inflammation or who just plain don't feel good and don't know why it will change the way they see their brain, their mental well-being, the mind-body connection and what they can do to be well. Mm, Donna, thank you so much. You are a story of inspiration, a story of hope, and you are changing so many lives. I'm such a huge fan of all you do and have been for many years. You do think and live in the matrix and you expose it in a way that all clinicians need to pay attention to. Thank you again and again, and so excited for everybody to read your new book. Thank you so much for having me on. You are my favorite interviewer, so let's just do it all the time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The 15-Minute Matrix team includes music by my son, Gilbert Nakayama, as well as Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook. You can visit us and hear more episodes at 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll be sure to drop into your inbox with a short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. You also have an open invitation to email us. Please do. We want to know who you'd like to hear on the podcast and what you'd like to see mapped on the 15 Minute Matrix. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. Now go buy your copy of The Angel and the Assassin and we'll all know more about inflammation and the brain.